What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host, Fantasy Week. Uh, we're wrapping up Fantasy Week, going to Gambling Week. All this stuff intertwines, of course. Highly recommend you check out all the podcasts. Analytics Week, the week before. A lot of themes as football gets ready to kick off. Uh, and to uh, to wrap up Fantasy Week, pumped to have a good friend of the program, the man, one of the guys behind, EstablishTheRun.com, a premier independent fantasy sports site for DFS gambling and all other stuff you need. Evan Silva. What's up, buddy? Will Brinson. Thanks so much for having me back on the show. Um, I think we've podcast a couple times now and yeah. hopefully we just, we get better every time, you know, reps. We we're, we're, we're banging out the reps and uh, this should be our best one together yet. Hopefully. Absolutely, dude. Well, look, you guys are banging out the content over at ETR. You've added NBA. Yeah. To the to the rep, repertoire was it is it Drew Dinkmeyer who came on to do NBA is that it yeah. right now I think yes Drew Dinkmeyer um, probably the best DFS NBA player in the game also an excellent NFL uh, DFS player and a great NFL DFS analyst and um, he will also be contributing to our DFS coverage uh, when the NFL season starts I'm super super excited about that he's one of the smartest people that I, I've ever spoken to. Um, so, yeah, he was an incredible addition. And, um, you know, it looks like the uh, the NBA is, is back underway. And, uh, you know, we're excited about that. For sure. And you can go to uh, establishtherun.com backslash subscribe. And right now you can get the full NFL bundle special, which includes the draft pack, the draft kit. If you've ever, if you've ever read Roto World over the last, like, 10, or I don't know how many years you were at Roto World, but, I mean, you know, you would get the draft kit. You had to get the draft kit. And now you can get both the draft kit and the NFL in-season package a full year for two twenty nine. The NBA playoff package is like 60 bucks or something. It's cheap. I can't remember exactly how much it is. But I highly recommend you do that. Uh, I've got it myself. I use it for DFS, and I use it to read. And, and, and if you're just looking for, you know, we, most people just play home leagues, you know, season-long. Yeah. you're just looking for that, um, it's 35 bucks for the draft kit. You'll get rankings. You'll get tiers. You'll get podcasts. You'll get super, super prepared for your draft. It's 35 bucks. We also get a $25 coupon to FFPC, um, where people that can play high stakes drafts, or you can play a $35, um, uh, best ball league there. And so at the end of the day, draft kits only cost you $9.99. That's a steal. So yeah. go check that out. Make sure you do that. Look, see, Evan, it's weird because 10 years ago, and certainly 15 years ago, like when I was writing for Matthew Barry for talentedmrroto.com, you know, it back, way back in the day, you could. I didn't could, even know that, Will. I did not even know that you did that. Yeah. I was, uh, I actually got my start writing online by, I was, I was, I would answer fantasy questions on Matthew Barry's message boards. And they were like, all right, this guy can write. He writes long answer. I was sitting my, I was working for my dad at his law office and I was a paralegal there and I would just bang out these long answers, answering fantasy questions. And then there was like a contest to earn a writing spot. And I think actually Matt Snyder, who works for CBS now covering baseball, won the contest. I finished like second or I can't remember what I finished, but they gave me a column anyway. And then when Matt left, Matthew left to go to ESPN, I ended up going, uh, to, to fan house and, and then sort of, you know, I won't say covering real sports, but like I would do fantasy there and then, and then sort of spread out and ended up at CBS. But. The, so yeah, like, I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't want to say brick by, I'm not a brick by brick guy, but I got my start, you know, the, the grinding through the fantasy ranks. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that, that a couple people got their start in similar fashion uh, at Talented Mr. Roto. I think that uh, Brad Evans yep. and Chris Harris both had similar similar backstories. Yeah, basically, basically Matthew Barry is the Bill Walsh in terms of coaching yeah. tree, a fantasy analyst. Exactly. Um, okay, but so my, my point of it was that when you think about what it took to win a league 10 and 15 years ago, it was really just digging into inf- like digging into information coming out of training camp and sort of watching depth charts and watching like you didn't really have to watch snaps. You could just look at carries and, and targets. Like it wasn't hard to be better than everybody else. Now, Evan, it feels to me like it is immeasurably more difficult to be better at fantasy football, whether it's best ball, DFS or a season long league than anyone else. And one of the things that you guys have done that I think is really smart is to take certain uh, analytical aspects of, of the NFL, whether it's looking at, you know, pace or mm-hmm. offensive line play or air yards, which Josh, Hirsch, Josh Hirschmeyer had there. I don't know if you guys still have the air yard models there, but the, the larger yeah, point is like, I'm curious, like how many of those, how much of a difference is it for you now versus what it used to be? And which, what, what sort of stats do you lean on most when you're starting to dig into these, uh, who might break out? That's definitely the model that we built. It's a lot different for me working at Roto, working at, at Establish the Run versus Roto World because I don't have to write news blurbs, which were really the, the nuts and bolts of Roto World's site and, and still are. Um, but you know, that there's no, um, you know, there's no byline to those and it would take up a lot of my time. And I was in charge of, you know, seven or eight people and, you know, overseeing, you know, being an editor and, um, you know, I don't have to do that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm much more efficient, uh, working in established run. And you're exactly right, dude. The, one of the, the model that we wanted to build was to have specialists in certain fields. And Brandon Thorne, I think is one of the best offensive and defensive line analysts in the game maybe the i mean he's you know he's the guy that watches the coaching tape from the end zone view which a lot of people don't do that they'll you know they'll zoom out and watch the um the overhead but watching it from the end zone view i mean you can see you know five offensive linemen and five defensive linemen literally fighting in the trenches it's a it's a crazy way to watch football and a lot of people don't do that but he does that and he studies you know virtually every snap um, and he's he's excellent at that. As you mentioned, Josh Hermsmeyer, maybe the premier data analyst, I think, um, in 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 football or, or up there. Uh, and he has the air yards model, which has proven highly predictive for wide receivers week to week. Um, and then Pat Thorman does snaps and pace, uh, which absolutely pro, uh, provides people with an edge, especially on a week by week basis, because if you can find teams that are going to run 70 offensive plays versus, you know, uh, avoiding teams that are, might only run 58 offensive plays, I mean, you're getting 12 more snaps worth of opportunity to score fantasy points. That's a big freaking deal. It's a so, huge deal. Yeah. I mean, opportunity is everything in fantasy. Exactly. Exactly. So that, yeah, that's a really, really big deal. No, no question. We have also, we also have Dwayne McFarlane who also writes for PFF, but he does our utilization reports and all he cares about is opportunity or, you know, he's one of the best at identifying opportunity and he'll break it down. Not just, Oh, you know, this wide receiver, you know, is in the starting lineup, but he's looking at 
who who was competing at X or, or Z wide receiver specific you know wide receiver positions on the field to uh, further uh, you know put a microscope to to where the opportunity is really going to come from. Yeah, and then the other—I mean, all of these things are really important. I think it just—it just blows my mind because this was, you know, it was—it wasn't what we dealt with back in the day. It was sort of like, who are the best running backs in football? Let's draft them and then build around them and try to find some breakout wide receivers. It, it, what is your strategy for 2020? I've talked, we talked about this all week long, and I—I yeah. I, I hope that the listeners aren't bothered by it. But I'm very curious to hear different ideas about how to approach drafts this year. And I know that it's not concrete. It depends on what happens when you get in there. But I'm curious whether you're trying to load up on running backs early, whether you think that there's some arbitrage in, in going zero running back early. Like what, like what is your general strategy, your preferable strategy in 2020? So I would say that the the popular, the grossly popular, um, and gr- not grossly from a, a negative standpoint, but very, very popular um strategy this year is to load up on running backs early and I certainly have done that in certain drafts but I really try to encourage people to have flexibility and and not necessarily enter their drafts with one specific strategy because you can end up leaving value on the board you can end up I mean you're just you're not giving yourself any flexibility and any out and really where you are drafting from in the first round is going to go a long way toward determining how your first couple of picks are going to go because the running backs are going so fast. So let's say you, you're, you're drafting super early and let's say you get the, the first overall pick. You're, sure. I think you definitely take Christian McCaffrey. I mean, this guy scored nine more PPR points per game than any other running back in football last year. I don't see any reason for him to have a significant drop off, but then when it comes back to you, you know, you're, you're playing in a, in a snake draft. Most people play in, in snake drafts still. And it comes back to you at the 2-3 turn. There are about 14 running backs that I think belong in the first couple of rounds, the first two rounds. And typically, all those guys are gone by, by the time it comes back to the 2-3 turn. So when you get to the 2-3 turn and all, you know, all those 14 st- you know, RB1 caliber backs are gone, you're going to have to have some flexibility with your draft in order to not leave too much value on the board. Um, now, Aaron Jones is a guy, and, and Austin Eckler are both guys that you might have a shot to get at the 2-3 turn. But typically, those guys are gone. So I think that you need to be a little bit more flexible. You need to consider a tight end, potentially. I think that George Kittle is going to have a monster year. Travis Kelsey probably won't make it back to you, but he's likelier than a lot of the running backs. Um, and then, you you know, you, you need to have a really a good handle on the wide receiver position as well uh, because and, – and I think that you can piece together your running back two slot later in the draft if you give yourself flexibility – uh, at that two, three turn, you compete like guys like, um, Chase Edmonds, I think is an excellent pick in the eighth, ninth round. Damian Harris looks like he's going to be the, the, the lead back this year in New England. You can get him pretty late. I think a guy like Tevin Coleman mm. in San Francisco, uh, is undervalued and, and Raheem Mostert is a little bit overvalued. Um, and I think that some of these, these running backs that are veterans in situations where they're competing against rookies, like DeAndre Swift hasn't practiced in a week, and Kerryon Johnston is there, and he's 
you know, if Car- if DeAndre Swift is limited in week one, like you're going to be able to use carry on Johnson in week one. He'll be a decent play and he can, you know, they can sort of stem the tide for you um, until you, you use your, your waivers or your, your fab in order to piece together that, that running back two slot. You have a dominant RB one, you have, uh, you know, maybe a dominant tight end in George Kittle that you got at the two, three turn, you have a dominant wide receiver one, those guys are going to be able to lift you with big, big weeks until you can stem the tide to get to uh, piece together that that RB two slot uh, potentially with waivers or you know just somebody pops on your bench. Yeah, and that's the thing too is it's not it's not about how many points a player scores for you over the course of the season. I mean, ultimately that's how they're judged in terms of the rankings, but it is a week to week. You know, it, trying to win weeks. We're trying. We're you know that that's exactly what we're trying to do. You have to think about it. On a week by week basis, we're trying to win weeks. We're not necessarily trying to get, you know, a guy that's, oh, he's going to play 16 games and he might finish as the RB 14 and we drafted him as the RB 17. That seems like good value, but that's not, you know, we're, we're, we want guys that are going to give us splash weeks, big weeks, because we know that it's inevitable that some players on our team in given weeks are going to have bad weeks. So we need other guys to pick up the slack. In those weeks, you just you have to think about it on a week by week basis. So you mentioned Damian Harris. This yeah. is this is a guy to me, Evan, and I took him in the eighth round of our you know expert mock draft over on CBSSports.com with Jamie and Dave and all those guys uh, last week, and and they sort of banged me about it uh, on the the video recap. And I don't I don't I, I understand why they're like you know you reach a little bit for him. This is right, to me. I don't. And I'm just curious. And you probably think the same thing if you're if you're that high on him because you have seventy fifth overall in your in your top one fifty. Not to give anything away again, go subscribe. But like they, the Patriots used high draft capital on him in terms of a third round pick. Um, he has a pedigree coming from Alabama. He has shown this this preseason without anybody actually seeing the preseason or seeing the practices that he can that he can be more of a pass game factor than people thought. Sony Michelle has been hurt or ineffective, and mm-hmm. Bill Belichick has made. It's very clear through his actions and transactions that he is going to be a power running team. I don't see why. I mean, maybe it's just because we're not seeing this anything in the preseason and we can't get that, that visual confirmation. Mm-hmm. I think this is, a, this guy's a league winner potentially. I think he could be too. I mean, and I think that the, I think the offensive line is going to be good in New England. They did lose Marcus Cannon, but he was uh, to an opt out, but he was probably one of their, their weaker links. On the offensive line, they're getting back David Andrews. Isaiah Wynn is back at left tackle, and their guards are studs in, in uh, Shaq Mason and Ted Karras, who's wearing the um, the franchise tag. I mean, they, they're going to have a good offensive line. Joe Tooney, by the way, is the tag guy. Joe Tooney. Who, who did I just – where did Ted I just – Ted Karras, that's fine. Yeah. Ted Karras moved on to Miami. Only on, an, only on an NC State podcast do you get correct. <laughs> Does anybody yeah. actually like, like realize Joe that? Tooney, I, I used to get those guys mixed up because they both played guard and center, and then Joe Tooney was the guy who emerged as the stud, and Ted Karras is now playing for the Dolphins. Yeah. But, yeah, yes, correct. But I, I, think, I just didn't want you to get a bunch of tweets. Like, No, I know, I know. I've done that before. Um, but you know, I think that Cam Newton, inje- the, the, the signing of Cam Newton injected a lot of upside into that offense. The defense, I think, is still going to be very, very good. And that will lead to, uh, more positive game scripts for, um, uh, for Damian Harris. So, I mean, eighth round is a little bit early. Yeah. And I would say, and I, I say that with the benefit of hindsight because Sony Michelle did come off. 
Uh, the- and it was right before Sanu Michel came off. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, today you would probably be able to get Damian Harris in the 10th or 11th. Um, but I mean, at the time, I, I don't, I don't think that there was, was any problem with that. I think that Damian Harris like has a chance to score 10 touchdowns. Yeah. Um, yeah. what, what other guys sort of, and I, I mean, I, I, this sounds like I'm putting undue pressure on you, but it's not like, like when you use the phrase league winners, we're not asking you to win any leagues here, but I'm curious, you know, I think you, you mentioned Chase Edmonds. He qualifies because if Kenyon Drake goes down and Chase Edmonds is the starter for 10, the last 10 games of the season, you know, mm-hmm. he's a potential league winner because and you get the, is already banged up. He's already yeah. wearing a, a protective walking boot. Right. Yeah. So who are some, who are some guys you're targeting later in drafts that you consider to be league winner? Like, and you and I talked about this. I mean, we tweeted about this a little bit too. And yeah. I don't know if these guys necessarily qualify, but like, you know, like carry on Johnson. And Marlon Mack, like, like they're dirt cheap. They might just be the starters because they're rookies in a, in a pandemic offseason. I'm not saying they'll be the league winners per se, but you know, I think there's just value out there at the position this year. I do. I do. Um, I, or I, I agree, uh, at the running back position. I think that if you're looking down the running, like guys that you can get as values, I mean, I would say that Tony Pollard, if something were to ha- happen, like Tony Pollard's a, a guy that I like to stash on my bench because the upside is enormous. If something were to happen to Ezekiel Elliott, um, Marlon Mack is interesting just because I think that, I mean, first of all, he's a good player and he's really, really cheap in drafts. You can get him 11th, 12th round. Jonathan Taylor, I mean, I think he's going to be a baller in the NFL, but he does have some red marks on, on his resume. I mean, he's fumbled 18 times in three seasons at Wisconsin. He never pass blocked. Um, he didn't catch many passes. Um, and he's going really, really early. I mean, he's like veering toward the second round at this point, usually goes like early third. But Marlon Mack, you can get, we know he's pretty good. We know he knows the system. He may have a bigger role early in the season than we, uh, and then everyone anticipates because of those factors. And, and he's really, really cheap. And if something were to happen to Jonathan Taylor, he just doesn't fire in year one. Um, Marlon Mack's got a lot to play for in his contract year. He was top. He was also top ten in the NFL in rushing yards per game last year. Again, DeAndre Swift has been banged up. That puts Carryon Johnson in, in, in sort of a more intriguing. Um, we know that Carryon Johnson can play, and we know that uh, that that offense they want to run the ball there and throw the ball vertically. Um, and Carryon Johnson can catch passes. And these guys are are really really cheap. Again, in the early uh, double-digit rounds of drafts as your RB5, RB6, guys to, to stash on your bench and see what, what happened. You know, every year in week one, there are surprises. And I feel like this year there are going to be more surprises than usual because we have so few data points to work with in terms of reduced practice time and uh, zero exhibition games. One other name that became a lot more interesting over the last two Days is Tariq Cohen because David Montgomery got injured, and that's a groin injury. They're saying you know, rap sheet said two to four weeks, but that that's probably optimistic. I mean, a groin injury he's gonna he's gonna struggle to stay conditioned uh, during the, those two to four weeks. That is definitely you know a soft tissue injury that is subject to setbacks. Tariq Cohen, I mean, if we could get like ten, like nine to eleven carries and five to seven targets out of him on a weekly basis. And this is not a player that I was high on uh, before this, but the opportunity ha- has really opened up for Tariq Cohen and he could smash in PPR leagues. 
Yeah, and Cohen is a good player, and he's and and he was disappointing last year. And the Bears are just. I don't think there, is there anybody that wants anything to do with the Bears because I don't I don't I don't feel like there is they're just not they're not very good. Um, right. All right, uh, and so Chase Edmonds I think qualifies and Tony Pollard those are definitely guys. Daryl Henderson is actually one that I'm intrigued in as well uh, with the like the Rams get no respect and to me the Rams are like the opposite not the opposite of the Bears but they're a team that's getting as much interest as the Bears in fantasy and yet I think there's a lot more on that like. Like the Rams and the Browns to me are teams that I want to buy on because nobody else is. It seems to be in on them. They're not intrigued by them. Do you have any other teams like that that you're that you're buying uh, that you're buying off of, whether they're good or bad offenses? Yes, uh, I would say I like the Lions better than market. Uh, last year in the first half of the season, Matt Stafford played you know eight games last year before he got hurt. The Lions were on pace to finish top four in yards from scrimmage and top eight in scoring. I really liked what Daryl Bevel did. It was it was kind of weird when you look back in, in hindsight at um geez, Jim Bob Cooter. You know, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he like centered the offense around Theo Riddick and Golden Tate for one of the big a slot receiver and a scat back for one of the biggest arm quarterbacks in the league. Daryl Bevel just applied common sense and is like, we have one of the biggest arm quarterbacks in the league. We're gonna throw the ball downfield. And that's exactly what they did. Matthew Stafford had one of the highest rates of uh, 20 plus yard attempts. He was playing at a very, very high. He was on pace for 38 touchdowns and 10 interceptions before he got injured. Kenny Galladay was balling. Marvin Jones was balling. Um, TJ Hawkinson had some moments, you know, that that's not, that's not uncommon at all for a rookie tight end to be really inconsistent. Uh, but we could say we could see him take a big step. I think in his second year, and I think that DeAndre Swift as a pass catcher uh, is eventually going to be a big asset to their offense. So, yeah, I'm higher than market on the Lions. Um, yeah, they're, they're a team that definitely stands out to me. Okay. What about this rookie class? And not, not even so much the running backs. I think they can adjust, and we, we sort of touched on them. But the wide receivers, this is yeah. a historically deep rookie wide receiver class. With a lot of guys who went in the first round, there's a lot of draft capital invested, and there's a lot of opportunity for these guys. But it's such a weird off season. Are you scared away uh, or intrigued by any of the rookie wide receivers in particular? I think that we need to take them on a case by case basis. You know, the the, the seas have sort of parted for Jalen Rieger to the point where I'm not worried about um, him. You know, just you know, the fact that he's a rookie in, 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 you know, a weird year like this, because the opportunity is definitely going to be there. I mean, it's him, JJ Arcega Whiteside and Deshaun Jackson, JJ Arcega, that's their three receiver set right now. And Deshaun Jackson, um, you know, we can't trust him to stay healthy. He's 34 years old. JJ Arcega Whiteside was objectively awful uh, in his first season. So, there's just, you know, there's just an opening for opportunity there. And apparently he's been uh, really showing re- really, really well er- uh, uh, so far in camp. I shouldn't even say early in camp anymore because this is not, it's not early in camp anymore. But, right. but it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like it's yeah. the right of the season. It just doesn't. Yeah, I mean, there's I, been like, you know, six practices and, yeah. you know, this is, we're like nearing the end of training camp, you know. That's so, crazy, right. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is a guy that I was really, really high on before. He suffered a hamstring injury. He's another guy where everything was breaking right for him. Obviously, Emmanuel Sanders left in the offseason. 
Um, Jalen Hurd tore his ACL. Um, Debo Samuel suffered a Jones fracture, which is a brutal injury for wide receivers. Um, uh, we have to monitor what's going on with Brandon Ayuk's hamstring. And then Tyrell Williams got hurt in uh, Las Vegas, and that bodes well for the opportunity for Henry Ruggs. And I think that all those guys are coming at values in drafts. You can usually get them 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th. Uh, Brandon Ayuk went in like the 12th or 13th in a draft, in a high-stakes draft that I did last night. So I like the value on those three guys as rookies that I think will be able to overcome the uh, lost offseason because just on sh- uh, sheer opportunity. Yeah. I, I th- it, the, the Ayuk thing is really disappointing because yeah. we saw what last year, what Kyle Shanahan can do with a rookie who is capable of getting in space yep. and, and exploding. And that's exactly what Ayuk is. And he did it with Diva Samuel last year, obviously. And so I really, I was with you. I like, I was buying everything I could of Ayuk and Dynasty and certainly, you know, grabbing him later in, in, in single year leagues because it's not like, and I'm curious what you, what do you think with rugs? He's, I mean, maybe he'll be, maybe he'll cost more in the next couple of weeks because Tyrell Williams injury. But mm-hmm. I think people are scared off because of the quarterback fit. Like there's the, the narrative that Derek Carr can't stretch the field. Do, I mean, do you think there's a chance? I mean, do you believe enough in John Gruden to make this rugs thing work? Cause I feel like John Gruden's sort of a F you, man. I'm going to make my, like turn, like he's mad about, like reportedly mad that Kyler Murray won rookie of the year. So he's going to feed Josh Jacobs and you could see him wanting to justify the rugs first round pick. Yeah. And I mean, I think that rugs is the best receiver on the team i mean darren waller is going to get his but you're, then you're talking about your know, tyro williams got hurt you're talking about hunter renfro who's a role player and then brian edwards probably stepping in for tyro williams brian edwards i think he's a good talent but he is you know he's a third round rookie um and i think that they're going to throw a lot of short passes to henry ruggs he wasn't he wasn't really i i know he runs really really fast but he wasn't necessarily a dominant vertical receiver at Alabama. He was, I would say, even better on quick hitters and, and, and short area stuff and just let him run after catch. And I think that that is something that Derek Carr can do. And that is um, a characteristic or, a, you know, a, a role that historically has had success in the West Coast offense, which John Gruden, Gruden runs. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Ruggs, Ruggs is just a guy who's, talent and, and just the opportunity is there uh, mm-hmm. another guy sort of transitioning to sleeper like and sleepers is a weird term now right you could have sleepers back in the day you can't yeah. you have to I, use them there, there really are, are just aren't that many sleepers we, we really talk about more guys that are undervalued and overvalued there, there are there are still some sleepers but i mean they got to be you know real deep yeah so the yeah. guy that you have listed as i mean i don't, I don't want to give it away but i mean i think i think you've you you've been very high. There's two wide receivers you're really high on that are that are cheaper values. Um, mm-hmm. One for the Texans, one for the Cowboys. Tell me why yeah. you love these guys this year. I mean, with Will with Will Fuller, the risk is just baked into. I mean, a lot of people just won't draft them because they're extremely risk averse, and they think about the floor of players that that go in the sixth and seventh round way more than they should. We should definitely consider the floor of players in rounds one through three and probably four. Um, We should think about the downside in addition to the upside. But once we get past that, 
once we can start to get to the fifth, sixth, seventh round, we should really only be thinking about the ceiling and, and, and you know, the, the upside potential of the players because the risk is already baked in. I mean, if Will Fuller had been healthy for the past, what, three, four years, he would probably be dra- being drafted around the 2-3 two, th- two, turn, I think. I think he would be oh, – That's right. Yeah, I think he would be a top 15 receiver uh, in terms of his ADP. But his ADP is more like wide receiver 27 because that risk is, is already baked in. So – and then if you look at the pairing with, with – uh, I mean, if, look, I, I like to bet, especially this year, on established pass catcher quarterback connections – Everybody else is new in the Texans passing game. Randall Cobb is new. Brandon Cooks is new. Um, Kenny Stills is in his second year there, but he missed some time early in camp. He's probably going to be the fourth receiver. They don't have a t- uh, tight end that is going to command a lot of targets. Deshaun Watson does not check down a lot to running backs. He's a eyes downfield, you know, vertical pass. He's very, very aggressive. And, um, you know, that established rapport, he has that with Will Fuller. I, I just, I think Will Fuller is going to explode this year. And at that sixth, seventh round cost, like I just smash the butt on, button on him every single time. Um, okay. well, before, yeah. before you go to the next guy, I'm curious too. Yeah. So like with, with Fuller, I had this, and actually we can transition to it because I, in this draft I was talking about with the, with uh, the, the CBS expert fantasy guys, I had the eighth overall pick and we guess the fifth round, I wanted another wide receiver. I thought I could get Fuller in the sixth, so I took Michael Gallup in the fifth, and then mm. Ben Gretz snaked me and took uh, Fuller right, like the next uh, pick after. If it's if you're if you're sort of parsing out guys, and you're on the like if you're at the if you're at the bottom end of the fifth, and you know that turn is coming, and you're looking, and, and the guys there might have a wide receiver, are you willing to take Fuller as early as the fifth? Yes. Okay. Yes, I am. Um, and I will take him before Gallup. Yeah, because Gallup's ADP is a little lower than Will Fuller's. So that that's sort of the benefit of knowing ADPs, um, which you, you can't, I mean, that, that's, it's really the benefit of drafting a bunch of teams. Um, you know, look, you, how do we get better in life at anything? It's by doing reps. It's by you know, doing it over and over and over again. You can do mock drafts, but I think the best way to really prepare is to play best ball. You don't have, you can play for a buck, you know, or, or five bucks on underdog fantasy or, on um, on on uh, DraftKings, DraftKings just unveiled um, a, a new best ball app, and just you know, put getting reps under your belt and understanding where guys are typically drafted can be real, ben- very very beneficial to you. You know, preparing for your actual draft. It's it's something I really encourage people to do. Draft as much as you possibly can. That's the way that you improve at anything in life. And sometimes I get. Uh, like flack for that because I'll be like, you know, you should start drafting in June. And they're like, but we don't know. Players are going to get hurt in training camp. We don't know. know, Like that's how you get an advantage on your competition is by getting in those reps, understanding the way that other people think about these players. um, And, and, you know, coming up with your, your own personal preferences and your own personal takes and, um, and, and building a roster, you know, building 20 rosters before you have to, you know, go to your office league where you might play for, you know, $200 entry or something like that. Getting those reps under your belt is, is undoubtedly going to benefit you, um, for, you know, the, this weekend and the next weekend, which is really when about 90% of fantasy drafts occur. Yeah. That's a great point. I mean, like, and I, I get a lot of draft reps just out of, just cause I volunteer to help out the fantasy guys if yeah. they need, if they need bodies for the mock drafts, but I like doing it because, 
first of all, you don't, you don't get in the draft and be like, Oh, what about, you know, you know where the, the, we know where the runs are happening. You know where the drop offs are. You know the best, like, you know where if you're missing a second running back, you need to grab somebody because it starts to dip off. I mean, that's, that's one of the huge things. You mentioned best ball. How much, what does your pie chart look like? He's, and I know you're in a billion leagues, I'm sure, but what, what does your pie chart look like for season long leagues, DFS? Uh, best ball, et cetera. Like, have, has, how much has it shifted in, in recent years? Um, it's kind of differed year to year, just kind of based on, I mean, you know, I changed jobs and that had an impact on it. And, you know, my kids getting older. So, um, <laughs> I draft in different ways now. Like, I do a lot more best ball now. I mean, because I don't have to worry about in season management with best ball. And it really complicates, it, it complements playing daily fantasy. Yeah. Getting all your season-long drafts out of the way, you don't have to worry about the in-season management. You can just focus on DFS week to week. But I've I've also played a lot more high-stakes season-long redraft with uh, on on FFPC with uh, an eighteen hundred fifty-dollar entry, and I'll have probably, probably six teams in that this year. And then I've got about fifteen best ball drafts uh, at twenty dollar entry on DraftKings. They have like a Millie, Millie Maker tournament. I want to try to get, I don't know, Ooh. 30 teams in there or something if I can. Um, I, 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 I've been drafting a lot th- this year for sure. Yeah, and I think that this year too in particular with the with the pandemic and with – we don't know what the hell is going to happen on Sunday morning at 1130. I mean, and I don't think the NFL does. I don't think the NFL teams do. I, I think everybody's optimistic and hopeful, but we'll have to wait and see. You know, the the a, like with best ball, the freedom to – you just take your best score – and then with DFS, the, 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 okay, you know, I had a crappy week. I can walk away. It's sort of the, the freedom and the independence of those two type of styles really fit 2020 more than a, a regular league. I mean, I run a league locally in Raleigh that we were talking about it last night. Like we might just postpone it for a year because it's usually a live draft in person. Yeah. You know, it, and it feels like you could really get burnt on a high stakes season long week to week league. I, that's all that is true. Yep. No question. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I'll, I don't know if I have anything to get you out of here on this. I might just say, let's, let's wrap up. Uh, is there, is there anything I missed? Is there anybody, anybody out there that anybody that who, like, who's your guy that like, anybody besides Fuller that you're just, you're like, I'm getting this guy, um, at maybe the tight end or quarterback position. Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think is going to have a better season than where he is ranked or a lot better season than where, where he is ranked or, uh, where he is, uh, fall, falling, uh, in terms of ADP this year. Um, if you look at his opening schedule, it's really, really, really nice. Um, uh, I, I went through and I looked at every quarterback schedule weeks one through six and, his is one of my favorite. I think I can actually remember it off the top of my head. It is week one at home against Arizona. Uh, I think that that game has shootout potential. Uh, and then weeks, week two, he goes, uh, weeks two and three, he plays at the Jets and at the Giants. So that's not it. I think that both of those are going to be favorable matchups. And that's not a situation where even the 49ers have to fly back to San Francisco. They can just stay in New York and they go back home for three straight home games against um, the, uh, one game is against the Rams. One game is uh, who lost uh, their defensive coordinator, Will, Full, uh, Will Wade Phillips, Wade Phillips, and a ton of defensive talent. I mean, Dante Fowler and, um, Eric Weddle and Corey Littleton and, 
Um, and then the Eagles, who perennially, perennially are a team that we like to pick on with uh, opposing fantasy offenses. And I love taking Jimmy Garoppolo in like the 16th or 17th round after I took George Kittle at that 2-3 turn and pairing him together and not even taking another quarterback because I think they're going to absolutely smash, especially early in the season. And Jimmy Garoppolo does not have a bye until week 11. I think he's going to start hot, and I think he's going to finish as a top-12 fantasy quarterback. His ADP is in the quarterback 18-20 to 20 range. I have him as the quarterback 11 this year. Ooh, I like it. Hey, look, you can't go wrong betting on Kyle Shanahan either. Uh, exactly right. Exactly, exactly. right. And, and by the way, I, w- I want to point out, too, I think I mentioned this on another podcast, that I saw you do this on Twitter, I think, and I kind of love the idea. And I've been, I mean, I've been obviously crediting you if I tell people about it, but just stacking nothing but Cowboys. Yeah. Like just draft Cowboys. I mean, I don't know if Mike McCarthy would be great in his first year, but they're so loaded that it, it's kind of fun to think about doing. All right. Evan yeah. Silva established at Evan Silva on Twitter, establishtherun.com. You can go to establishtherun.com backslash subscribe and get a great deal on an excellent website with tons of fantastic. Uh, fantasy content. Thanks for taking the time, buddy. Uh, always good to talk to you. Hopefully, this uh, this thing gets cleared up and we get to hang out and drink beers in uh, in, in Indianapolis sometime soon. No Thanks so much for having me on, Will. Really, really appreciate it. Good luck this year. Hi, right, buddy. Take care.